Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Numbers 877-381-3811, Well, today is Wednesday, and Mr. Producer and America, the president has been hitting it out of the park. These coronavirus briefings, the law enforcement briefing earlier today, which we'll get into, have been fantastic from a substantive point of view. And the tone and discipline has been absolutely outstanding. And the Democrats and the left and the media, all one and the same, are very, very concerned about this. They're very, very concerned about this. Now, I want to straighten out something here. It's been on the Drudge Report all day, highlighted in red, which for him means he's very excited. But he's not the only one. And he links to a left-wing site called Axios. And here's the headline. U.S. reports over 1,000 daily coronavirus deaths for first time since May. The U.S. reported more than 1,000 coronavirus-related deaths on Tuesday for the first time since May 29th, according to the COVID-19 Tracking Project. Why it matters. Deaths from COVID-19 had slowed after months of lockdowns. But they're starting to tick back up again as new infections and hospitalizations continue to surge. Remember that word surge across the country. The daily death toll often fluctuates and reporting can lag over the weekend. However, the U.S. reported over 900 deaths several times last week as ICU units in Texas, Florida and other hotspots reached capacity. By the numbers, the U.S. on Tuesday reported 63,000 new cases, 59,000 hospitalizations, the third highest total number of hospitalizations in the COVID-19 tracking project's data set. Almost 1,000 daily deaths. But it's a lie. 
And I find I spend an enormous amount of my time behind this microphone bringing you the real news. At issuesandinsights.com and Just the News and other quality sites, here's their headline. The big surge in coronavirus deaths is a media-fed myth. Now, what does that mean? Almost daily now, we've been reading about how daily deaths from COVID-19 have reached record highs. A surge. It's a scary prospect. But the truth is, the truth is, listen, the mainstream press is grossly misleading the public by misreporting the death counts. And this is done by Drudge, by Mediaite, and all the other sites. Here's a typical report from USA Today a few days ago. Quote, as the outbreak continues to surge across the southern states, Florida, Texas, South Carolina set records for new daily deaths, reporting 156, 129, and 69, respectively, unquote. ABC News reported, quote, 19 states set single-day records for the most cases this week. Three states set a record today. According to PBS in Arizona, the state, quote, on Saturday, July 18th, set a record of coronavirus-related deaths reported in one day with 147, according to the Arizona Department of Health Services. Now, the last story is particularly illuminating because the website the PBS article links to includes a chart of daily deaths in the state. It lists only three deaths on July 19th. Three. What's more, the chart shows that there hasn't been a single day in the state where deaths exceeded 65. So where did that scary 147 number come from? It came from the same place as all the other so-called surging numbers come from. Every day, Arizona and the other states file reports on how many people died from COVID-19. It's not a measure of how many died that day. It's not a measure of how many died that day. In most cases that people actually died days or even weeks earlier. In fact, in Arizona's case, 106 of the reported deaths on Saturday revolted from, uh, resulted from a periodic review of death certificates. None of those caveats made it into the PBS story. So in other words, they go back and they look at older records or new information comes in as they update their data. And the day it's updated where the numbers come up, they put it in for that day. There's not a surge that day. There's not a surge that day. There's not a new surge. There aren't single-day records all over the place. There are no records. The same thing happened in Florida. When a wave of news reports screamed about how the state had recorded 156 deaths in one day last week. Quote, the grim milestones come quickly in the Sunshine State, CNN reported. The Florida Department of Health reported 157 new coronavirus-related deaths on Thursday, the most yet in a 24-hour period. But Florida's health department reports only 59 deaths that day. 59, not 156. The most deaths occurring in a single day in the state is 99. So what did they do? They added them together. That is, past deaths, with the records catch up, with the reporting, to the day in which they find them. That's not a surge. And by the way, how did ins- how did Issues, Insights, Just the News, and others find this out? Because they went to the site, and there's two pieces of information. And all you have to do is look at it. But they don't. 
Why? Because they're pushing a narrative. Go look at the Dredge Report. What's the narrative he's pushing? Trump's a disaster. Needs to be defeated. What's the narrative CNN's pushing? Trump's a disaster. He needs to be defeated. What's the narrative Pelosi and the others report? We have a surge. My God, more people are dying today than at any time. A lie. It's a lie. In Texas, a Dallas Morning News headline shouted that as Texas sees a record 174 coronavirus deaths in a day, Governor Greg Abbott pleads for use of masks. But the CDC data show that none of the recorded deaths in Texas occurred last week. As far as it knows, only 65 died the week before that. Excuse me. 64 died the week before that. A total of 64. In California, meanwhile, the Los Angeles Times told its readers Tuesday that, quote, for the week-long period that ended Monday, 674 deaths were reported in California, the highest weekly total to date. In the previous seven-day period, they write, 640 people died, which had also been a weekly record. The week before that, 474. But the CDC reports that it knows of only 48 people. Hello, 48 people who died from COVID-19 in California last week in the whole state. 276 the week before that, 476 two weeks ago. And nationwide, it's the same story. For the week ending July 18, the CDC says that 190 COVID-related deaths are known to have occurred in the whole nation. But the trackers all show more than 5,000 deaths that week. The week before, the CDC says it knows of 1,623 deaths. But the trackers report says more than 4,600 deaths. The CDC notes that its more recent daily death counts are certainly too low because it takes time to record the deaths as being due to COVID-19. In other words, we have no idea how many people are actually dying from COVID-19 right now and won't have that information for weeks. But we know the so-called surge for today and yesterday and the day before are not surges at all. In fact... As they write, the number of daily new cases in states such as Florida, Texas, California, and Arizona appear to have already peaked. Plus, the age of those testing positive is lower. Hospitals are better equipped, and treatment regimens have improved since the first surge in April. And unlike in New York and New Jersey and other northeastern states that panicked, these states aren't sending COVID-19 patients into nursing homes where almost 50% of the deaths nationwide occurred. 1% of the population in nursing homes and assisted living homes and almost 50% of the deaths. And Andrew Cuomo and the Governor Murphy of New Jersey are not held to account by anybody. Also, if states track new cases the same way they do deaths, when the test results are logged into the system rather than when the infection actually occurs, then we have no idea when the peak occurs. That's the case in Florida, according to a report from Just the News. It found that the state's database includes both the case date, when the test results are logged into the state system, and the event date, when symptoms first appeared. But the state uses the case date to create its daily chart of new infections. And Governor DeSantis, I just bring that to your attention. Your bureaucrats are making it look bigger than it actually is each day as it goes by, because they're adding in old cases, past cases, just discovered, with the actual new cases. 
that are discovered each day. Now, you will not see a correction in the media. You will not see correction in the Drudge Report. They just don't do that. They will continue to mislead the American people and lie to the American people. Because freaking you out hurts Trump and helps Biden. Freaking you out gets more TV ratings and more hits on a website. The fact of the matter is, these surges that they're reporting are dishonest. They're lies. There's better information on that CDC site, but they won't use it. Instead, they refer to, prefer to link to Axios, a left-wing site that has Trump in their target and want to take him out. If the true story were told about what Trump and his administration and the private sector have done all in the last five or six months, the Democrats would not be running on the coronavirus. They would not be attacking the president over the coronavirus. The American people would be extraordinarily impressed with what's been done and what's taking place. We talked the other day about the need not only to find a vaccine, but you have to distribute it. These are two completely different things. And they're extremely difficult and complicated. Ask Biden. Oh, you can't. Nobody's allowed to ask him anything. But they really blew it with the swine flu in every serious and significant way. They blew it. I see Obama's out there now talking about the coronavirus. Obama won't come on this show because I talk about the swine flu. And that he doesn't want to talk about. But just to show you how forward-looking the Trump administration is, even God forbid if he doesn't win re-election, they placed an initial $1.95 billion order for 100 million doses of a coronavirus vaccine with Pfizer in case the Pfizer vaccine actually works out during its final trial, and they can acquire an additional 500 million doses. It's an enormous task to do that in a short period of time. Just the vials, just the needles, and just the elements that are used to make the vaccine. They're very difficult to produce on a massive scale, and it's more than 320 million Americans. It's billions of people around the world who are going to want it and demand it. And so this is very important to understand that the President of the United States is way in front of this. And they're hoping this Operation Warp Speed really is warp speed. That by 2021, the beginning of next year or sometime next year, they'll have the vaccine and they'll have at least 300 million doses to give to as many people as possible. Starting with our senior citizens. And starting with people who have these comorbidities. I thought you'd want to know, because you're not going to find this in any typical news site. You're just not. Because they're not news sites. They're a joke. I'll be right back. Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. It continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, 
and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Tom Ridge says the DHS is not the president's personal militia. This is why the Republican Party is such a loser party. You got fools like him and Kasich and all these these long-in-the-tooth hangers-on that hang around Washington, become lobbyists and consultants. They're friends with each other, another Colin Powell buddy. They give speeches. They make money. They haven't done anything in the last three or four years to defend this president or this country. That's right, I said it. What does he mean, personal militia? Sounds like another kook. Did the president today, when he had his press conference a few hours ago, sound like he was talking about a personal militia? We're going to play some of that. Now look at this from a real reporter, Paul Bedard at the Washington Times. Come back. Listen. Trump neck and neck with Biden, 45 to 44, uh, excuse me, 45 to 47 percent approval, equal with Obama's in 2012. While the media have been hyping polls showing Democrat Joe Biden with a sizable and growing lead over over President Trump. The outfit they called the 2016 popular vote correctly shows the 2020 race neck and neck. A week after finding that Trump closed a 10 point gap with Biden to just three points. Rasmussen reports today revealed that Trump has edged up another point as Biden hits a ceiling. Yesterday, or that is today, the race stood at 45% for Trump, 47% for Biden, well within the polls' margin of error. It was published in Rasmussen's weekly White House Watch feature separately. Rasmussen said that Trump has boosted his approval rating to 49%, with 50% of respondents disapproving. What's more? At this stage of his presidency, former President Obama also had a 49% approval rating, and he went on to win re-election with 51% of the vote. Unlike some polls that undercount Republicans and survey adults or registered voters, Rasmussen slightly overcounts Democrats and polls likely voters, which is considered more accurate. And in 2016, it had Hillary Clinton leading the president, that is Trump, on the eve of the election by two points. Clinton won the popular vote by 2.1%. We're in this battle, folks. We're in this battle. Keep fighting. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom. And freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. It continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its online courses, its support of classical K-12 through charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, Commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God. 
Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Mark Levin, the cure for the common liberal. Talk to Mark now at 877-381-3811. Why would you poll registered voters when likely voters gives you a better number, a more accurate number? Why would you poll more Democrats, more than are representative scientifically than you should, when polling closer to actual party affiliation gives you a better number? And that's what's going on. Now, before I move on, Elizabeth Warren, my God, I would need a, uh, I would need, what, what do you call those? Whatever blocks the hearing, I would need the headphone. I would need something if I were around her with her screeching, yiping. Senator Elizabeth Warren, this is the blaze, demanded that Ivanka Trump, President Trump's daughter, be investigated. Impossibly disciplined over a tweet she posted about Hispanic owed food maker Goya. Warren joined Senator Tom Carper of Delaware. I didn't know he was still alive. And calling for an investigation by the Office of Government Ethics into whether Ivanka Trump violated federal ethics rules. With her July 14 tweet, she's holding a can of Goya. Other beans. Politico first reported the request. Wow, they're very, uh, they're uh, Johnny on the spot. So they want an investigation of whether or not Ivanka Trump violated the ethics rules because she held up a can of beans and encouraged people to buy Goya, Mr. Producer. Have they ever heard of Hunter Biden? Now, if Hunter Biden had held up a can of Goya beans and had worked for the federal government, do you think anybody would even think about investigating Hunter Biden? Instead, he shook down the Ukrainian government. He made millions of dollars for doing absolutely nothing. He was part of some massive loan deal. Uh, involving China over a billion dollars. And Elizabeth Warren doesn't want him investigated. And Tom Carper doesn't want him investigated. And the media don't want him investigated. And yet his father's running for president of the United States. And at the time, his father's the ex-vice president of the United States. And his father was involved in bringing him on flights to China. And his father was alerted to some of what his son was doing in the Ukraine and turned the other cheek. But no, we have to investigate Ivanka, you see, because she held up a can of beans from Goya. No, no, we got to send her to Rikers prison. These bastards are dangerous, ladies and gentlemen. Liz Warren. Oh, Lizzie. Moron. Pathetic buffoon. Tom Carper. They have to take his pulse every morning to make sure he's still with us. This is what your senators are doing. Delaware and Massachusetts, congratulations. It's sickening. President had a great statement today. I mean, this week, I think he's hitting it out. He hits it out of the park every week, as far as I'm concerned, but this week especially. And the Democrats are nervous. The media are nervous because he's been extremely disciplined. He's not taking their bait. And he's putting the information out there. And the information in and of itself supports what he and his administration is do- are doing. But let's take a listen initially, at least, to what the president had to say. It was very important about uh, law enforcement in Chicago. 
Uh, and keep in mind what the idiot Tom Ridge said. Oh, you know, DHS is the president's personal militia. Shut up, you slob. You buffoon. Get off the stage, you kook. Cut one, go. My first duty as president is to protect the American people. And today I'm taking action to fulfill that sacred obligation. In recent weeks, there's been a radical movement to defund, dismantle, and dissolve our police departments. Extreme politicians have joined this anti-police crusade and relentlessly vilified our law enforcement heroes. To look at it from any standpoint, the effort to shut down Policing in their own communities has led to a shocking explosion of shootings, killings, murders, and heinous crimes of violence. This bloodshed must end. This bloodshed will end. Today, I'm announcing a surge of federal law enforcement into American communities plagued by violent crime. We'll work every single day to restore public safety, protect our nation's children, and bring violent perpetrators to justice. We've been doing it, and you've been seeing what's happening all around the country. We've just started this process, and frankly, we have no choice but to get involved. With us today is Attorney General Bill Barr. Thank you, Bill, very much. Acting DHS Secretary Chad Wolf. Chad, thank you. And FBI Director Christopher Wray. Thank you, Chris, very much. We're also Pleased to be joined by Americans who have tragically lost their loved ones to recent violence. To each of you, please know that America grieves with you, that we pledge to honor the memory of your cherished loved ones by fighting to bring safety in every single community. We will bring that safety, you will see. For decades, politicians running many of our nation's major cities have put the interests of criminals above the rights of law-abiding citizens. These same politicians have now embraced the far-left movement to break up our police departments, causing violent crime in their cities to spiral, and I mean spiral seriously, out of control. In New York City, over 300 people were shot in the last month alone, a 277 at least percent increase over the same period of a year ago. Murders this year have spiked 27% in Philadelphia, 94% in Minneapolis, compared to the same period in 2019. Perhaps no citizens have suffered more from the menace of violent crime than the wonderful people of Chicago, a city I know very well. At least 414 people have been murdered in the city this year a roughly 50% increase over last year. More than 1,900 people have been shot. These are numbers that aren't even to be believed. Yesterday alone, 23 people were shot in Chicago, including at least 15 who were shot in a merciless onslaught of gunfire outside of a funeral home. 63 people were shot in the city this past weekend, and at least 12 people were killed. Over the 4th of July weekend, nearly 80 people were shot and 17 were killed. Over Father's Day weekend, 104 people were shot and 15 were killed, including five young children. 
And the last weekend in May saw the city's deadliest day on record, 18 murders in 24 hours. Behind each of these horrifying statistics is a victim, a family, a loved one, and a life of cruelly shattered. And it's just so sad to see and so sad to look and so sad to see how these lives have been just torn apart. An African-American father of three was killed while walking into a store to pay his cell phone bill. A 13-year-old girl was killed when a stray bullet came through the window of her home and hit her in the neck in the presence of her family. On Independence Day, 14-year-old Vernado Jones Jr. was playing basketball with friends in a Chicago park when he was senselessly killed in a massacre that left eight people dead or wounded. Renato's mother, Cheryl, is here with us today. And Cheryl, please know that all Americans mourn by your side. We will carry your son's memory. He will not be forgotten. Cheryl, Cheryl, thank you very much. Thank you for being here, Cheryl. Thank you very much. It's a great honor to meet you before. Thank you. This rampage of violence shocks the conscience of our nation and we will not stand by and watch it happen. Can't do that. The citizens of Chicago are citizens of America, and they have the same right as every other American to live in safety, dignity, and peace. No mother should ever have to cradle her dead child in her arms simply because politicians refuse to do what is necessary to secure their neighborhood and to secure their city. Every American, no matter their income, their race, or their zip code, should be able to walk their city streets free from violence and free from fear. For this reason today, I am announcing that the Department of Justice will immediately surge federal law enforcement to the city of Chicago. The FBI, ATF, DEA, U.S. Marshal Service and Homeland Security will together be sending hundreds of skilled law enforcement officers to Chicago to help drive down violent crime. And murderers and violent criminals are breaking a wide range of federal laws. We have that. It's as wide as it can be. We will find them, arrest them, and prosecute them. They will be in jail for many years to come. And we will work with local police to identify violations of state and local laws to help ensure that offenders are caught and jailed for their crimes. But we must remember that the job of policing a neighborhood falls on the shoulders of local elected leadership. Never forget that. When they abdicate their duty, the results are catastrophic. Americans must hold their city leaders accountable. They must insist that community officials fully support, fully back, and fully fund their local police departments. There is simply no substitute for a police department that has the strong backing of city leaders. In the meantime, we will use federal law enforcement to vigorously charge federal crimes and support these besieged communities to the greatest extent possible. This will be hard, painstaking work. It will take time. The tide will not recede overnight, but we will marshal all of the strength and focus and determination that we can possibly do. This is a critical effort. We will continue to call on state and local leaders to do their job and protect their citizens. The operation in Chicago will be done as part of Operation Legend, 
which was recently launched in Kansas City, Missouri, and very successfully, I might add. It is named after legend Talavero, a four-year-old boy who's shot, think of this, who was shot and killed last month while he lay asleep in his home. Legend's mother grieves our hearts and pains and souls, and we thank you very much for being here. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. We are profoundly grateful to be joined by uh, Sharon. Would you please stand, Sharon? Sharon, please. Uh, and also, Legend's father, Raphael, and his grandparents, Alfred and Pauline. Yes? You look so great. So great. Thank you very much. I appreciate your nice statements before, too. Thank you very much. Thank you. Legend is looking down. He's very proud of you right now. Tell you. Thank you very much. To Legend's family, we cannot even begin to imagine your anguish and your sorrow, but we solemnly promise to honor Legend, and we will be fighting every day to save the lives of America's children. Under Operation Legend, we will also soon send federal law enforcement to other cities that need help. Other cities need help. They need it badly. They should call. They should want it. They're too proud or they're too political to do that. One of them is Albuquerque, New Mexico, where last fall, 55-year-old Jackie Vigil was murdered as she was getting into her car to go to the gym. We're joined today by her husband, Sam, and her sons, Raul and Kevin, both New Mexico State police officers. Would you please stand? Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Great-looking family. Thank you very much. To Sam, Raul, and Kevin, we're moved beyond words by your presence here today. We thank well, you. We're going to have to take a break, but you get the sense for what the president's doing. No, Tom Ridge, he's not treating this as his personal police force, and you're a disgrace. Now, I want to ask you something. Do you think Joe Biden can talk like this? Do you think Joe Biden would take action like this? Not only can he talk like this, not only wouldn't he take action like this, but he'd be surrounded by Bernie Sanders Marxists who would be pressuring him to do nothing. And he would do nothing because he's incapable of pushing back even if he wanted to. This president, as I keep saying, has been extremely prudential in the use of federal power. He recognizes the Constitution, the limits placed on the executive. He looks at the statutory law. He gets advice from his lawyers, from the Attorney General of the United States. And he takes his steps methodically and strategically. And for those legal analysts who kept saying yesterday, and who I challenged, that the federal government has no authority to do this, they look like fools today, as they always do. And as was also pointed out by the President, the Attorney General, and the acting head of DHS, there's two things going on here. When you look at Portland, there is a Marxist uh, paramilitary element of the Democrat Party at work. Violent Marxists. Chicago, violent criminals. And so it requires two different types of responses, two different aspects of law enforcement, and potentially the National Guard. Because you've got to protect the people, not the politicians, 
not the ex-politicians, and not the TV pundits. I'll be right back. Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom. And freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale's been providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. It continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its online courses, its support of classical K-12 through charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Well, I want to congratulate Joe Biden, who now has the backing, apparently, as I'm reading this, Biden endorsed by Million Muslim Vote Summit, and he pledges to end the travel ban on day one. Now, the travel ban deals with nations that have civil wars going on and terrorism widespread, particularly in the Middle East. Why would you eliminate a travel ban? First of all, it's not a travel ban. There's additional vetting and so forth. And why would the Muslim community want us to? Since the vast majority of Muslims worldwide are unaffected. But just so you know, Biden endorsed HotAir.com by Million Muslim Votes Summit pledges to end travel ban on day one. I wonder what Tom Ridge has to say about that. Absolutely nothing. Because he's cool. He's a good guy. Tom Ridge. Oh, yeah. Idiot. Now you know why Biden has taken an extreme and radical position when it comes to the state of Israel. Now you know why he's joined with his party in demanding that the Prime Minister of Israel do not in any respect enhance the security of that country, deny their ancestral homes. Joe Biden apparently is bought and paid for by the special interests and lobbyists who are uh, of the Muslim community. That's okay. You got You want to pick that side? Pick it. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker. Somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building. We've once again made contact with our leader, Mark. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know that Muslim ban that Biden talks about was actually started by Barack Obama. Of course, it's not a Muslim ban, but it was started by Obama and Biden. Trump added one or two countries to it. Remember that, Mr. Producer? 
Of course, that never comes up. It never comes up. You remember Linda Sarsour, ladies and gentlemen, a Jew-hating socialist and anti-Semite? So bad she was even barred from the far-left woman's march? She's endorsed Biden. Now, you know, when a David Duke tries to be provocative and endorses a Republican, the Republicans say, I, I don't accept that endorsement. Joe Biden has never rejected the endorsement of Linda Sarsour. Nor will he. And she's a loyalist to Louis Farrakhan. But she completely and fully supports Joe Biden. Now, Trump's executive order places restrictions, as they point out at Hot Air, on travel to the United States from Iran, Iraq, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen. Iraq was taken off the list. Trump added Chad and North Korea and Venezuela. Sudan was taken off the list in January. Trump extended the travel ban to include Myanmar, former Burma. And Tanzania and Nigeria. So Venezuela is not a majority Muslim country. So this is a travel ban. And the vast majority of Muslim countries, which which have the vast majority of the Muslim population, aren't even on the list. So here you have the insidious race baiting and religion-baiting of Joe Biden and the Democrats. This is all they know. This is what they do. It's a hateful party. It's an evil party, as I say, day in and day out and day in and day out. It plays people based on their religion and race. So the most radical elements in the Muslim community have now endorsed Joe Biden. Now there are Muslims that won't vote for Joe Biden. But there's now this big push for Joe Biden as this biggest of the big Muslim groups has endorsed Joe Biden. And Linda Sarsour. And nobody's going to be asking Joe Biden about any of this, like Linda Sarsour. First, they can't get to him. And secondly, even if they can, they'll protect him. You don't see any great hue and cry from the media for Joe Biden to come out of his cocoon. And he's not going to. Now, we cannot let them get away with no debates. They're going to pull stuff out of their sleeves. We've already seen Thomas Frieden, seen him take a take a run on it. There's going to be others. We must demand a debate. Now, Bernie Sanders, if you track what the man is saying, he's telling us everything we need to know. Bernie Sanders is thrilled today. And he can't keep his mouth shut, like most Marxists. And he's on CNN today. Please listen carefully. And here's what he says. Cut seven. Go. People want change. And I was uh, very delighted that the vice president uh, agreed to work with our campaign in putting together six separate task forces dealing with the major issues of our country. And I think we hammered out some agreements which will make, uh, in my view, uh, Joe Biden a very progressive president if he, in fact, implements uh, what has been uh, written. That doesn't really mean progressive. He means a radical socialist Marxist agenda. Bernie Sanders is thrilled with this. Do you understand? 
And these are Bernie Sanders supporters in the streets creating violence. Cut eight, go. I think I, I quoted you as saying it, that Biden could be the most progressive president since FDR. If you did say that, it's pretty dramatic. I mean, you're really going out. By the way, that, that uh, annoying uh, voice and accent is Christina Amanpour, another left wing hack dressed up as a journalist. Go ahead. Uh, on a limb there. That means you must support what he's doing. And therefore, do you believe that your supporters will vote for him? Because remember what happened in 2016 when about a quarter did not no, vote for No, that's not true. Christian, that is not true. Uh, it was not a quarter okay. of our voters who did not vote for Hillary Clinton. That is a false number. But more importantly, uh, the reason I say that I think that Biden has a chance to be the most progressive president since FDR by the way, exact- notice he, she, 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 he's not interrupted. FDR, you mean the FDR who rounded up Japanese Americans and put them in concentration camps? The FDR the, who directed the media not to report on the Holocaust, that FDR? So he's going to be the most progressive president since FDR? And of course, FDR didn't severe damage to this country, to the courts, to the Constitution, to our economy. And many of the bad things that exist today are as a result of FDR. And FDR used the FBI and the IRS against his political enemies. Look how they whitewash history. They're running around pulling down monuments. And by the way, not just of Confederate soldiers, but saints and founders. And now they desecrated a Reagan statue. But FDR's statues and stri- untouched. Go ahead. Joe Biden said to me, and I think he has said that publicly, he understands the severity of this moment. We have tens of millions of people who have lost their jobs, lost their health care. Now, isn't this amazing? The Democrats are the biggest push for shutting down the economy, which results in lost jobs, lost pensions, lost health care, lost businesses. And then they turn around and say, look at this, all the lost jobs and all this. And uh, Biden understands the moment. Go ahead. Today, we have an educational system which is lacking for low-income and working class. That's amazing. An educational system lacking for lower-income people. Biden just embraced the Bernie Sanders plan, which is they either go to the government facility down the street and that's it. No school choice, no vouchers, no credit system, uh, parochial schools, private schools, charter schools. No, specifically the the Sanders-Biden plan says no options. And he dares to talk about schools. It's the Democrat Party today standing in the in the doorways all across the country like Orville Faubus and George Wallace, preventing little kids from going to school. It's their union, three million strong, their army of NEA and AFT public sector union employees whose salaries you pay, whose benefits you pay, who are refusing, not in every case, but most cases, to go back to work. And yet he dares to talk about education. Go ahead. The change is out there. Joe understands this is an existential threat to the planet. So in talking... What is an existential threat to the planet, you red moron? Climate change? It's an extra strength. 
Everything's an existential that you are, you jerk, you schmo. Go ahead. In his own public proclamations, I think he is making it clear that we need to, in a very bold way, start addressing the crisis facing working class families. Working class families. You working class families. They want to destroy your neighborhoods. They want to take your police protection away. They want to massively tax you. They want to limit your mobility. They want to control what schools you go to. Working class families, they want to shut down our assembly lines, our smokestack industries, our energy industries, our trucking industry. They want to shut our our fisheries. They're at war with working class America. They're at war with blue collar workers. They're at war with people who get dirt under their fingernails. The only time Bernie Sanders got dirt under his fingernails, ladies and gentlemen, was when he was living in an apartment building and he was growing on the balcony, marijuana, no doubt, getting that dirt under his fingernails from the potting soil. Just a guess. I don't know for sure. But we've heard this crap from the Soviet Union to Red China to the gulag that is Cuba and the gulag that is Venezuela, all these paradises that are supposed to come about for the working class, who they starve, who they beat, who they torture. Working class? Notice they talk about class all the time rather than American citizens as individual human beings. But just keep in mind, Bernie Sanders is thrilled with Biden and Bernie Sanders people are all around Biden like cockroaches I'll be right back Mark Lovin in today's digital age where cyber threats loom larger than ever safeguarding your personal information is paramount so why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Dr. Simone Gold is a board-certified emergency physician who's dealt with this China virus up close and personal. She's also, by the way, a lawyer who graduated from a top law school, Stanford University Law School. And she's part of America's FrontlineDoctors.com, which is a website I'm putting on Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter, America's FrontlineDoctors.com. Simone Gold, how are you? Good evening. Hi. Um... You and, uh, and and several other doctors and experts 
are very, very concerned about the way this hydroxychloroquine matter has been addressed, how it's been politicized, how for some reason the media keep attacking it. And it's your position that this can be a lifesaver for many, many people. Please go ahead and explain. Yes. Um, before January 2020, there was no controversy whatsoever about hydroxychloroquine. Anybody can do a data search themselves on Google and they'll see. There is no uh, safety issue when it comes to hydroxychloroquine. That's my main message. I'm going to give you three data points that absolutely put that, that, that myth to rest. Um, the largest study of hydroxychloroquine ever done checked it for 20 years. This was published by 33 countries and companies from the University of Oxford. They, they wanted to understand, and in plain English, the authors found that over a 20-year period, looking at almost 1 million patients, those taking hydroxychloroquine did not have an increased risk of heart problems. So as you know, they say that it's, quote-unquote, going to cause a heart problem or could cause a heart problem. Well, the largest database ever studied on the subject, it had over 900,000 patients. They did not show a problem. The FDA database itself showed 640 deaths attributable to hydroxychloroquine over 50 years, Right? The FDA receives a million adverse events reports a year, and they showed 640 deaths attributable to hydroxychloroquine over 50 years. The third data point I want to give your listeners is the CDC on its own website has an information sheet about hydroxychloroquine. On their website, it says, question, who can take hydroxychloroquine? Answer, hydroxychloroquine can be prescribed to adults and children of all ages. It can also be taken safely by pregnant women and nursing mothers. But this is the kicker, Mark. Who should not take hydroxychloroquine? People with psoriasis, period. End of topic. Well, we keep hearing about if you have heart disease, don't take it. If you have, you know, whatever else, don't take it. Is that not true? It is, well, it's not true. So the American Heart Association has now answered this specific question. They looked at the question of, quote, QT prolongation, the, the potential heart problem, in the era of covid with hydroxychloroquine and the antibiotic azithromycin, which is the two together, people are very concerned that could cause the increased QT prolongation into a lethal event. Quote, in the largest reported cohort of coronavirus disease to date treated with chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine plus or minus azithromycin, no instances of arrhythmogenic death were reported. None. So how do these... American how do these... Association, April 29, 2020. How do these lies? They not only get they they get they get repeated, and and and, and so it gets it gets it, you know embedded in people's minds that this is a dangerous drug, and we all know it's not, and we all know that virtually anyone can take it, and it has to be prescribed by a real doctor. You can't just get it over the counter, and and so how did this become politicized? Okay. Well, I want to actually take issue of that. Here in America, it's prescribed with a prescription, but that's not true in much of the world. In much of the world, you can just pick it up over the pharmacy and it's shelved with the vitamins. So this is the, the disinformation campaign against hydroxychloroquine is unbelievable. You know, it's safer than Tylenol. It's safer than aspirin. That's the truth. And I have lots of data. So the problem is that the media has done such a good job that many doctors are as offended and upset about this as I am. So we formed America's Frontline Doctors, and all the data you want is on the site. Americans can read it for themselves. All the data, it's all there. So what's with the FDA? Well, the FDA is talking out of both sides of its mouth, in my opinion. I'm very upset. I ran into Dr. Burks uh, myself about 10 days ago, and I said to her, you know, doctors are having a hard time prescribing this. And she said, no, 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 of course you can still prescribe it. It's, it's perfectly legitimate. I said, well, would you please issue a public clarification that we can still prescribe it? And she said, absolutely, and then she did not, and we've requested it twice. So, Dr. Burks, if you hear this message, 
we are still looking forward to hearing that public clarification that there's no problem prescribing it. I'm a little confused. Do doctors have a problem prescribing it? Oh, my gosh. We are not only the the governors of each state, most states, actually, uh, like, for example, California, but also Arizona, lots of states, sent letters out to all their doctors saying that they could be uh, reprimanded with unprofessional conduct, which is a threat to our license if they prescribe it. And by the way, this is only in the era of COVID and only in relationship to hydroxychloroquine. There's never been an event like this where doctors and prescribers were warned that they could get into trouble for prescribing an FDA-approved medication. Never happened. So governors, who are political, obviously, are putting out letters to doctors telling them they cannot use this FDA-approved drug if they feel it can save or help a patient? They're saying that you could be... um, brought up on unprofessional conduct if you use hydroxychloroquine for COVID. It's, uh, it's sui generis. This has never happened. Once a drug is FDA approved, that's it. Doctors can prescribe it. Then it's up to the doctor, the doctor-patient relationship, and, you know, all the other regulations we have to live with. But this has never happened before. Then FDA approved medication has been given such a hard time. People may have heard the expression off-label or on-label. To a doctor, it's irrelevant if something's on-label or off-label. It's a meaningless distinction. But the media caught on to that, I think, and made a thing of it. But in the real world, we use off-label 21% of the time. Morphine for children when they break their leg is off-label. Morphine is not indicated for children in a pain situation. Being off-label or on-label is a meaningless distinction in real-world practice of medicine. Mm -hmm. So we use off-label every day. Aspirin for patients with coronary artery disease. Everybody knows people who take aspirin. Well, if you have coronary artery disease and your doctor told you to take asthma but you have a history of diabetes, that's off-label. Mm-hmm. So hydroxychloroquine off-label per the doctor's assessment and... and okay, so so how normal. did we get how did we get to this point? Because the president promotes it, so they have to oppose it? Is that it? Well, I'll tell you something interesting. That's what I thought, too. But when you look back on it, hydroxychloroquine was over-the-counter in several countries, and they pulled it off the shelf. In January, before President Trump ever mentioned it. That's interesting, isn't it? So why? I'm going to, well, you have to see who benefits if hydroxychloroquine is knocked out early. You're saying some other drugs are promoted above this drug. If you knock out a safe and effective, cheap, widely available generic medication that really has no profit potential for anybody, who benefits? Go ahead. Tell us who you think benefits. So I like to deal with just being the scientist part of it. All right. So I will just leave it for your viewers to your listeners to figure that out. Dr. Gold, thank you very, very much. This site is America's FrontlineDoctors.com. Please check it out. It's got very, very important information on there. America's FrontlineDoctors.com. I'll be right back. My friends, our world is connected more than ever. Now, what does that mean? It means that we're affected by things happening on the other side of the world, like wars, like pestilence, and of course, in our own country, the turmoil. Now, this can all mean danger to our economy, but smart investors are using this as an opportunity to buy gold. Gold is at an all-time high, and I believe it's going to go higher. That's why I want you to call my friends at Advantage Gold. They're a five-star company that I personally trust with my gold purchases. Call them today at 800-900-8000 for a 100% free gold investment guide to show you how you could use gold and silver to help turn global chaos into financial opportunity. That's 800-900-8000. Plus, tell them I sent you, and they'll give you a special Mark Levin discount worth up to $1,300 if you qualify. Call Advantage Gold today, 800-900-8000. Tell them Mark Levin sent you. Performance may vary. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. You should always consult your financial and tax professionals. 
The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. How often do they say on the left, Mr. Producer, follow the science? Do the Democrats ever follow the science? Whether it's abortion and you can see the baby in a sonogram? No, that's, that's, that's not a baby. Or as the good doctor just pointed out, when it comes to hydroxychloroquine, the science. And you'll have media people and politicians point to other surveys and other tests and so forth just because they don't want the science to work. They have an entire website on this. AmericasFrontlineDoctors.com. An entire an entire website. And the implication she was making there at the end is that some individuals or some companies benefit from alternatives. From alternatives to this drug. Hydroxychloroquine. Because it's been around a long time. It costs pennies. Pennies. And it's just too simple. So we got to buy much more expensive types of drugs. So... That's clearly the implication she's making. And you know what? It may well be true. But you got to let a doctor make a decision. It's the doctors who are trained, not governors and not media types. And we know they lie like hell. They just lie all the damn time. And I am convinced, and I've told you this before, that the Democrat Party wants this thing to fester. They want it to go on. The media outlets that hate the president, whether it's Media Matters or the Drudge Report or the Post or New York Times, they want this thing to go on the way they, they report the, the, uh, the attacks, the dishonest use of data, the one-sided uh, presentation of information. It's constant. It's constant. The president's out there. He's being interviewed. He's being interviewed by hostiles. He's being interviewed by friendlies. He's he's taking to the podium almost every day now and talking about issues from the coronavirus to law enforcement and so forth. Joe Biden, not so much. He was on ABC 15 Arizona yesterday. And take a listen. Cut nine. Go. Wearing a mask is now a political statement. This is more patriotic. Why do you wear the mask? So you don't make somebody else sick. I want to sick. Ask What's with this guy? Steve, that's our time. Okay. All right. I appreciate your time. Uh, thanks so much to uh, Mr. Vice President as well. Thank you. I hope I can see you again. Thank you. So the guy wanted to ask a question. I want to ask you, and he's cut off immediately. He's cut off. What's with this guy? What's with this guy? He won't wear a mask? Is he talking about Fauci? Have you ever seen Fauci in a mask, Mr. Producer? Maybe once? Does Fauci wear a mask? The time I interviewed him, he wasn't wearing a mask. Mr. Producer says he's seen him once wear a mask. He's never had, do you wear a mask? Do you that? No, no, no. Now, Here's Biden at a virtual roundtable today. Um, take a listen to this. Cut 10, go. That's the essence of my, my whole notion dealing with you. Trying to tell me I'm supposed to stop, but there's more to say here. Can you play that again? Cut 10, go. 
Sir, that's the essence of my my whole notion dealing with you. Trying to tell me I'm supposed to stop, but there's more to say here. So, so they cut him off, or he cuts himself off when he knows he's in La La Land. When he knows he's in La La Land, he's spaced out. And this is okay for the Democrats. As long as he doesn't debate, they're fine with it. Uh, also at this virtual roundtable today, cut 11, go. And I had a nurse at, at uh, nurses at uh, Walter Reed Hospital who would bend down and whisper in my ear. Wow. And go home and get me pillows. They would make sure they'd actually, probably nothing ever taught in, uh, you can't do it in the COVID time, but they'd actually breathe in my nostrils to make me move, to get, get me moving. What the hell is he talking about, Mr. Producer? Pillows, they made him breathe, they, they breathed in his nostrils to make him move. Let's try this again. Maybe it'll sound differently a second time. Cut 11, go. And I had a nurse at, at uh, nurses at uh, Walter Reed Hospital who would bend down and whisper in my ear. Wow. And go home and get me pillows. They would make sure they'd actually, probably nothing ever taught in, uh, you can't do it in the COVID time, but... They'd actually breathe in my nostrils to make me move, to get get me moving. Mm-hmm. So he would uh, he would manage everything better, this guy. He would manage everything better. And you know what? I'm going to say it. Dr. Jill Biden, you're a disgrace. You're an absolute disgrace to let your husband go through this. You know exactly what the problem is. You live with him. You wake up with him. You go to bed with him. You know exactly what the problem is with Joe Biden. But you want to be in the White House and you want to be first lady and you don't much give a damn. You don't much give a damn. A wife should take care of her husband like this. I'm being quite honest, ladies and gentlemen. They can attack. Look, they're right. They're going to write a whole book on the president's wife, the first lady. I'm making a statement. Dr. Joe Biden is a disgrace. For her husband to go through this, and a disgrace not to protect the American people from the possibility of her husband being elected president of the United States, God forbid. They're just so damn power hungry. It's appalling. In fact, it's more than appalling. It's actually quite shocking to listen to this guy. Meanwhile, you got these repubics who are attacking Trump. They just keep coming out of the woodwork, these bushies. The bushies keep coming out of the bushes. Like, we want to hear what Tom Ridge has to say. He wasn't even so yesterday, yesterday. He's not yesterday. He's not the day before yesterday. And they drag in this this clown Kasich, who on the way out was supporting uh, abortion on demand and funding it and moves hard left, goes over to CNN, used to be at Fox. He's transitioning from an idiot to a moron. Now he's going to speak at the uh, at the Democrat event because he can't take it anymore. And there's George Will. George Will, he's he's going to vote for Biden. So in other words, Joe, George Will has been a fraud for half a century. Sorry, I bought his stuff and read his stuff. Then we have the John Wilkes Book Project, a.k.a. the Lincoln Project. Every loser, half-wit and nitwit lining their pockets with money from losing campaigns and losing clients 
all miscreants and malcontents. And we've had a president who's done a hell of a job. He's accomplished a hell of a lot. And can you imagine how much more he could have accomplished? But for the back, the fact that all these, these uh, forces trying to take him down from day one, from the time he announced he wanted to run for president. And then up pops Barack Milhouse Benito Biden. Himself a Marxist, himself an anti-Semite, as I've demonstrated over the years. With that clown, John F. Kerry, Mr. Mashed Potato Face. I don't call him Lurch. Lurch looks a lot better than John F. Kerry. Obama's going to tell us how to how to handle this uh, coronavirus because he did so great with the swine flu. And yet, chapter and verse, how they screwed that up. We would have God knows how many more deaths if Obama, Obama and Biden were president when this took place. God knows how many more deaths. That's how incompetent they were. I hope you read that political piece. Did we put it up at the website, Mr. Producer? Yesterday. I guess it's under Mark Recap or something. MarkLevinShow.com Recap, the daily recap from last evening's show. Chapter and verse. And so bad was it that they stopped testing and stopped counting. That was the order they gave these so-called scientific experts. And you know who one of them was? Fauci. Fauci has never been held to account for what took place in 2009. Well, you know, that's a long time ago. And uh, besides, I'm very busy these days trying to track uh, my photo opportunities and uh, my various other celebrity opportunities and my media appearances. As you well know, I'm uh, I'm iconic. I'm the Confucius of the uh, medical community. May I say that? I think I will. Don't wear a mask. Wear a mask. Social distance. Hunker down. Wear a mask inside the house. Hunker down outside the house. I'm sorry that the economy's gone uh, gone down south. I'm sorry. I'm sorry we've lost the economy. It's uh, it's very inconvenient. I I understand that. But look, I have 50 years of government service here, massive pension, all the health care benefits I could want. Look, I'm not affected. <laughs> I mean, I feel very badly. It's, it's unfortunate. What was the word he used? Inconvenient, right, Mr. Producer? People are losing their jobs left around 40 million people. Tens of thousands of businesses going up because Democrat governors are shutting down. And it's very inconvenient. Did I tell you I'm throwing out the first pitch at the Nationals baseball game? I love those left-wing kooks, the learners who own the Nationals. Oh, they're great. They're absolutely wonderful. The left-wing kooks, the learners, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're great. By the way, as I bridge from one subject to the next because there's so many, Major League Baseball is going to hell now, too. All these sporting leagues are destroying themselves. First of all, the longer they're not playing, the longer people get used to them not playing. The longer school's out, the longer colleges don't have sport events, the worse the athletes are, and the harder it is to find them. So they're destroying themselves, but they're lining up behind the Democrats as they do. They're selfish bastards. They don't care about the next generation of athletes. They could care less. 
They've got their contracts. They've got their money. That's all they care about. Whether it's baseball, whether it's the NBA, whether it's the NFL, they are selfish bastards. They are destroying what other players have built for them. Other professional athletes have built for them. They politicize it. All these tough, very strong, very well paid. I don't really want it. What about the virus? What about we got minimum wage workers in our in our grocery stores working. We've got truckers across the country feeding the the faces of these athletes. Going, I, I don't know if I want to bounce a basketball. I don't know if I want to hit a ball. I I, I don't I don't know if I want to run up and down the field. Oh, I'm sorry. Daily Wire, Major League Baseball's social media accounts aggressively defended several San Francisco Giant players, coaches, and managers Monday night after angry baseball viewers voiced concerns over Jalen Davis, Mike Yastrzemski, Austin Slater, and others taking a knee during the national anthem. The Giants players, as well as two coaches and manager Gabe Kapler, knelt during patriotic pregame festivities to show solidarity with Black Lives Matter, a violent, Marxist, anarchist, anti-Semitic, hate America organization. That's who these athletic bastards are lining up behind. The Major League Baseball defended them to the health. Cincinnati Reds players kneeled during National Anthem. Dead, gone, forget it. No more Major League Baseball. NFL from the Daily Wire. NFL allowing decals on helmets citing police violence victims and systemic racism. You know, Mr. Producer, I have to confess, I think the head injuries in the NFL are much more widespread than we realized. Are they still playing with helmets? It doesn't seem like it. So now they can put stickers on their helmets to show they're down with the revolution. Well, I'm making every one of them an honorary member of Fatty's United, Mr. Producer. Fatty's United. So I say to all of them, F you. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. So Biden calls Trump the first racist president. You know, this is he's such a loathsome fool. Biden, the bigot. Biden, who has said racist things throughout his career, including up to a few months ago. Biden, who was working closely with segregationist senators from Mississippi and Georgia and Alabama. The first racist president. And by the way, prior to the Civil War, we actually had some racist presidents. So I don't know what he's talking about. I just hope minorities in this country don't fall for this usual sort of platitudinous, platitudinous hatefulness that comes out of the mouths of Democrats. And so I would ask my fellow citizens who are minorities, can you tell me what Joe Biden 
has ever done for the, any minority community, whether as a senator or as vice president of the United States. Can you tell me one thing without going to Google, without asking somebody? One thing? The answer is no. Guy's been around half a century. You're not going to convince me or millions of you who are working for every paycheck, have no guarantees, maybe earn forty, fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year, and you had a family of two or three or four. That when you go out there and you work and you provide and you pay taxes, I don't think you're gonna take kindly to the zillionaires and athletes who are not only taking a knee, but complaining about working. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker. Somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building. We've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Now, in Portland, as you know, it's really going on two months now. The Marxist anarchists, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and the others have been violently uh, threatening and uh, damaging, really, a federal courthouse, among other places. And you have a Tom Ridge... You have John Kasich, uh, you have Democrats, you have media types saying of the President of the United States that he's a dictator, that you can't send in uh, federal law enforcement unless, of course, they're coming in with marked cars and uniforms. Of course, they can be bombarded and attacked. But Ami Horowitz is uh, a guerrilla filmmaker. He goes into these areas. He's got a lot of guts. He's very shrewd about how he uh, finds out what's taking place. And Ami is with us right now. Ami, you've been in Portland, correct? I'm in Portland as we speak, my friend. The great one, Mark Levin. Thank you, my friend. Tell me what's going on. Uh, it, it is, uh, look, it's, it's, you're in Portland. It looks pretty normal. I mean, Portland in its best days are stinky and full of homeless people. But during the day, it's, it's, it's the way it is. But then at night, around 10 o'clock, it, it transforms. There's a five-square... A block around the federal courthouse, which becomes utter chaos and anarchy at 10 o'clock p.m. What essentially happens is, last night I was there, I'll be there tonight as well, about 5,000 people show up, and the media malpractice on way of the way they describe these people is outrageous. They describe them as this big kumbaya, people having a great time, and music, and wonderful, everything is wonderful until the big, bad federal cops come out and begin to randomly you know, disappear people. It, it is nothing like that. This is a crowd that is involved in sheer chaos, anarchy, and violence. You have hundreds, I witnessed hundreds of people attacking the federal courthouse, trying to burn it down, attacking it with pipes and hammers, while the entire crowd of 5,000 people cheer them on. You know, I hate, Mark, I hate when they say the crowd was mostly peaceful. Mostly peaceful means violent. Okay, if they're not stopping the people doing the violence, they are participating in the violence by giving these guys air to breathe. And that's made in only after the buildings are attacked 
do the federal officers come out and use, and, what, and I was caught up in it, humane uh, crowd dispersal, which is pepper gas, uh, gas and, and, and pepper spray. Uh, now, listen, it's not fun. I was, I, I breathed it in. I had a hard time breathing and seeing, but I was there on the front lines, and that's okay. I moved out, and then I was able to breathe again. But, but the way it's being perceived by the media is so outrageous, so ridiculous. Mark, it drives me nuts. Now, you're in there. Were you noticed, and did anything happen to you? So uh, aside from, from being in the, uh, in the uh, firing range of the pepper spray and the gas, yeah, about an hour or so in, uh, a couple of people recognized me, started yelling at me. And then what you have around the federal building is all this, like, pieces of glass because they keep throwing uh, uh, glass bottles at the, uh, at the officers who are surrounding the building trying to protect it. So they were picking up the handfuls of glass and throwing at me, and it kind of cut up my arms. They're totally fine, totally okay now. I can handle it. But it's, uh, it, it's a crazy scene, man. And you have, like, first of all, you've got hundreds of people with umbrellas. That's kind of the, the Antifa thing. And then you have these people with these shields. They build these homemade shields, and they bring it up to the police officers. And it's, it's like some kind of, like, bizarre, hyper, hipster, uh, doofus Vikings with their shield wall. It's, it's just a, it's a nutso scene, man. And yet, let me ask you a couple of questions. First of all, you're the mayor of a city. How can you tolerate this? Well, first of all, you have to understand, why are the federal troops, there, not troops, but the federal officers there to begin with? I was there. I did not see a single, I mean, Mark, a single Portland police officer, okay? They have totally and completely acquiesced to the Antifa thug crowd, okay? This is, what, this is why you saw the, the burning and the looting of all our major left-wing blue cities, because these mayors, whether it be in, in Seattle or in New York or in Chicago or in New York or here in Portland, you see these guys, and, you know, look, I want to say quietly acquiesce, but I think these people actually in some cases have full-throated support for these people. They keep claiming they're, they're, they're peaceful protesters. They're so peaceful, blah, 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 blah. They don't care. I think they like this. They like the agitation. They like the fact that they are, they're trying to create as difficult an, a re-election environment for the president as possible. So these left-wing mayors want to see their cities burn so they can point to the president and say, ha, this is your fault. I think that's what their plan is. Now, if that's their plan and they expect the Democrats to win, then they expect the Democrats will take care of them, give them billions and billions of dollars to rebuild their cities afterwards. Well, I, I think that's the plan is not just to have the Democrats rebuild their city. The, the, the plan is, is to have the Democrats give them money altogether. Look, you know, you're seeing it now. There are people who are not going back to work. My coffee shop that I love to go to, you can't, they can't be open for more than two days because they can't get people to come back because they're being paid so much money. Uh, to, to, to not work. So yeah, they're, what they're looking for is they're looking to have people and the, and the Democrats uh, give them money not to rebuild, but to live their lives. That's what they're. That's what these guys want. Ultimately, they want to live in a socialist country where they don't have to work. Now you're going to be there again tonight. You already recognized last night. Isn't this getting a little dangerous for you? So I'm going to uh, I'm, I'm going to be wearing my mask. I'll put a mask on and uh, I'll put a hat on. And, and hopefully I can avoid it. And it, look, if, if it happens again, we'll just take off. But I think it's the story is too important for me not to be there on the front lines capturing it for you all. I, I, yeah, there, there may be a little bit of a danger involved in it, but it's it just not 
it, when I go to the risk reward um, uh, calculation, the reward is too high. The, the 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 importance of this information to be disseminated is is too important for me to worry about um, smaller things like uh, safety, like your life. Well, uh, you know. <laughs> now what now what do you make about politicians here, even like former Bush officials? Attacking the president, saying he's treating this like his personal militia, says Tom Ridd. They haven't been out there. They don't even know what's going on, do they? No, you know, it's actually, it's really disheartening to hear people like Ridge and Kasich uh, speak this way. I mean, they, they either have no idea what's going on, or uh, conversely, and I hope this is not the case, but it's quite possible, because you know they have antipathy toward the president, that they're, they're doing what I said the Democratic officials from these cities are doing, that they want to see the, the president lose. So in order for the president to lose, the more chaos you see, um, the better chance they have for Biden to win. I don't want to believe that, Mark, but it, it, either they're totally blind, willfully blind, which I don't think they are. I can't imagine it. Uh, or they, they simply want the president to lose. If that means burning down some of our cities, so be it. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is, it's a bizarre thing, uh, this notion that you can't have federal law enforcement protect a federal courthouse. We have, we have legal analysts in this country who are actually saying there's no legal, ba- who are so screwed up, it's so wrong. What do you make of this? I mean, you know, it's, it's so it's so funny. It's this, there's this weird federalism going on among these Antifa anarchists, right? This, this weird states' rights. All of a sudden, they're they're big federalists. Oh my God, we want to have our states to run our own state. We don't want the federal involvement. It's kind of weird. I don't know if they even know what that term means. But um, look, it's a. I, I also, and as you are, I, I am a federalist, and I believe that as, as many rights as possible should be bestowed on the states and not taken by the federal government. But, but, and this is a huge but, you can't leave federal buildings unprotected when they're under attack. I mean, it's ludicrous. It's, it's lunacy. Like I said, the Portland police are nowhere to be found. If they're not going to protect these places, who else are you going to call upon? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly right. Aren't they concerned about federal judges and and all the rest that takes place in courthouses? Now they tried to and maybe succeeded in blocking the the front doorways of the courthouse last night and trying to set the courthouse on fire. I was there. I filmed it. Absolutely. No, so that, that could place down. And they don't know. If people may even be in there working late at night. They don't know what's going on inside that courthouse. Well, the, the the people are in there. I mean, we we there are the, all all the federal officers are, are are in there. That's where they're in protecting the building. No, they 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 <coughs> they know that. Don't they? I was there. They all they were saying burn, baby, burn. They wanted to burn these people alive. First of all, let's make something very clear: the graffiti you see, and the whole they they graffiti the entire building, and the graffiti you see most often, Mark, is the graffiti "Kill the cops." Kill federal officials, okay? Not the, not just defund the police, not like I can't breathe or Black Lives Matter, right? You see some of that too. But you, the predominant graffiti that you see, and I filmed it, I, I've got it all. It's all kill, murder, burn them alive. These are the words that they use and the graffiti they use because this is how they feel. No, they know these people are in there and they're burning them on purpose. It's shocking. Now, look. I mean, you take care of yourself tonight. Make sure you have a nice, good mask on. Dress up in black so you look like one of them. Bring your umbrella. Not a pink umbrella, a black umbrella. And uh, so you fit right in. And you better be careful. I will. I, 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 well, I'm bringing security with me this time, so I should be okay. All right. Good luck. Keep in touch with us. 
Thank you, buddy. All right, God bless. It's a brave young man, and I'll tell you what. If you're not familiar with him, you really ought to check him out. Ami Horowitz. And you can check him out on Twitter. We'll be right back. Lovin. Well, we're loaded tonight. No, I don't mean like Kasich with the bottle. I mean loaded. But guess, Ken Cuccinelli, Acting Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security. How are you, sir? I am good. Always good to talk to you, Mark. It's a pleasure. Now, Ken, um, I have some kind of uh, echoed, Mr. Producer. Ken, uh, in Portland, Oregon, uh, we just had Ami Horowitz on, who does these magnificent little documentaries and so forth. And he was there last night, and he said... The media are flat out lying about what's going on there, that it is a riotous scene, that they're trying to destroy a federal courthouse, uh, that last night they they blocked the front and they tried to burn it down with, with law enforcement in the courthouse, that these people are heavily armed with all kinds of uh, devices and so forth and so on. You're, you're the acting deputy. What do you see? What do you know? That's an accurate description, Mark. And it's not the first night they've tried to burn the place down with people in it. Um, and that's what we're defending against. And that's a Department of Homeland Security mission is to protect federal properties and the life on it uh, and people using those facilities. Uh, little known agency called the Federal Protective Service, uh, which if you've walked into a federal building, you've probably walked by one of their agents because they protect them all over the country. And when we got intelligence that there were going to be more directed threats, at these buildings in Portland, we moved more officers up there, which is just the smart thing to do, and uh, and have continued uh, to uh, to arrest people who've been committing violence. Obviously, we don't uh, grab anybody who isn't breaking the law, and uh, which has been one of the many lies told up there, uh, including by people in high office. Uh, <laughs> But uh, we're going to continue this effort until the violence recedes. And Portland is, was committing violence every night uh, for over five weeks before we expanded our presence. So when some people on the left try to say that, that we're why there's violence in Portland, it was going on for weeks and weeks and weeks before we expanded our presence. So it's just one more false narrative they're attempting to apply there. Well, it's very fa it's fascinating to me. So they'd have on the left the Democrats, the media, this mayor. They'd have the mobsters burn down a federal courthouse. I mean, is is that where we are now? Burn down? A, what does that have to do with systemic racism or or cops or anything else? This is a Marxist anarchist movement. It is a violent, violent movement. I do not hear Joe Biden condemning it, or Nancy Pelosi, or Chuck Schumer. I do not hear the media condemning it for the most part. And I hear people like Bobby Rush, who's on uh, Sirius Satellite, Sirius XM today. Anytime you send a group of armed bandits, outlaws, no uniform, no name, no identification, and you snatch up innocent people and you take them off to some unrecognized, unknown place, you know you're really terrorizing a nation, he said. What else did he say? And for Trump to talk about sending federal agents in Chicago, we won't stand for it. He says Trump wants to instigate a race war. He wants to have black folks fighting white folks so he can rise up and say, I'm the real grand wizard of the Klan and I'm the president. Reelect me. That's what he's trying to do. Have you you've been a state senator? You've been an attorney general. You're now in the in a high position, a senior position in Homeland Security. Have you ever heard of such poisonous propaganda in your life? Pure fiction, Mark. 
pure fiction, every piece of it. And the only people they're being critical about are the people trying to defend the law, the law and order piece, and the facilities there. They're not condemning uh, one bit people who are committing what amounts to domestic terrorism, targeting law enforcement officers, hitting them with hammers, literally launching mortar-style fireworks at them. You already talked about trying to burn down buildings with them in it, and barricading the exits, by the way, not just launching things at the at the buildings. And um, we're seeing all sorts of different weapons. We arrested somebody last night with a, with a handgun uh, while breaking other laws. Uh, another person wa- was grabbed with a pipe bomb. Uh, you know, this is what's going on. These are rioters and criminals. They're not protesters. I'll give you an example. Monday night, there were peaceful protesters outside this courthouse, about 75 to 100 of them, till about 11 p.m. local time. They left, and a few minutes later, a thousand people showed up and surrounded the courthouse and started trying to rip away the boards protecting the windows and the glass and so forth and um, and launching projectiles at the building and at the officers, and, including incendiaries. So very dangerous situation. So you had a 75 or 100 peaceful protesters and yet a 1,000 violent rioters. And you don't hear their mayor in Portland condemning those people. You don't hear Nancy Pelosi condemning those people. You hear her using Nazi illusions. Can you imagine, Mark, if you or I use stormtrooper illusions? Um, the, the, the mainstream media sky would come falling down on us. But Nancy Pelosi says it, and it's, eh, yawn, no big deal. Can, can, you, can you imagine if the Tea Party had done one one-thousandth of a percent of this, what would be said would be completely different? All I'm going to do is say this to you, Ken Cuccinelli. And you don't even need to comment. I know how to put this down. It wouldn't be pretty. It's been done in the past. And what it means is the full force of law enforcement, and that includes federal law enforcement, if necessary, a federalized National Guard puts it down. Be over in one or two days. Be very ugly. I remember what Reagan had to do at at Berkeley. I remember what other mayors had to do in Philadelphia and Chicago in the 1960s. Even LBJ back then, what he had to do. The fact of the matter is our president has been extremely prudential in the use of federal force, and yet they still talk about him the way they talk about him. Well, you know better than I do, Mark. They They have a bigger narrative, and this is just a piece of their bigger narrative. Orange man bad, right? And But this president has aggressively and appropriately, within the boundaries of our legal authority, used federal law enforcement to help advance peace in this country. You look at Washington, we had over 800 of our Department of Homeland Security officers, uh, in addition to the Secret Service presence there, um, in addition to the DOJ officers there. And, and look, it worked. You can even look at Minneapolis, where they tried to take this, oh, we'll just give them room to riot approach. And what did they do? They rioted. They tore the place up. And finally, even those liberals said, well, you know, we need to actually move the policing forward. And when they did, what happened? Peace was restored. Violence receded, and the community was made safer. So there's a formula to this. It's not magic right, science, Ken. and this president is determined to bring that formula. I, I, I want to thank you. I want to thank the administration. Keep it up, because the vast majority of the American people are sick and tired of this. Thank you, my friend. We'll be right back. 
Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. If you haven't tried Super Beats Soft Chews, let me tell you, you're missing out. Super Beats Soft Chews combine non-GMO beets with a powerful new ingredient, grape seed extract. Now, the grapeseed extract used in Super Beach Chews has been clinically shown to be two times as effective at supporting normal blood pressure as a healthy lifestyle alone. Better blood pressure means more energy, the way nature intended, without the jittery caffeine or stimulants. Now you can take just two delicious chews a day, anytime, anywhere, to get the blood pressure support you need and the energy you want. Do what I did and support your heart health with delicious Super Beach Chews. Get your Super Beach Chews today at levinsbeats.com. That's L-E-V-I-N-S-B-E-E-T-S dot com, levinsbeats.com. And when you buy two bags, they'll throw in the third for free. I want to strongly encourage you to give it a try. That's levinsbeats.com, levinsbeats.com. They dusted off Eric Holder. He's back. Talk about a race baiter. And by while he's, uh, you know, giving a rubber stamp to the worst kind of uh, terrorist pardons and commutations for Clinton and and Obama. But let's forget about that. He's on the Joy Reid show. She's on MSNBC. She got a promotion into a primetime 7 p.m. Eastern slot. She's a bigot. She's a homophobe. But don't worry. She's a leftist who hates Trump. Clean slate. I mean, after all, any network that I'll have Sharpton will have anybody. Any network that I have Scarborough will have anybody. Cut four, go. Are you concerned about that, that these paramilitary forces will be used to suppress the vote? Using now, let's just stop. So now federal law enforcement is a paramilitary force, which is exactly why I'm calling these Marxist anarchists paramilitary. I use their language, and I turn it on them. So now federal law enforcement from this nasty bigot is said to be a paramilitary force. And Eric Holder used to be in charge of some of these forces. Let's hear what he has to say. Go. I mean, if you'd ask me that question about any other president, I would say, of course not. That's, that's you know, the script from a very bad movie. But this administration, this president has demonstrated that they have a capacity to go lower than we can even possibly imagine. So, yeah, I think we have to be um, concerned about that. His attempt to um, talk about mail-in voting and all the fraud that is um, associated with it is factually incorrect. No, it's actually factually correct. And now we have a ton of examples. We have 100,000 examples in California. We have tens of thousands of examples in New Jersey. How many examples do you need? I've got one example right here with my own producer who got two ballots, one sent to his old address, one sent to his new address. Go ahead. Set up a a, a situation where he has the ability to delegitimize a vote that he might lose. If he delegitimize a vote he might lose, you've been trying to delegitimize a constitutional elected president for almost four years, you schmo. And they hire all these litigators. Biden has 600 of them in the wings waiting. And it was his administration that used the FBI as spies. His administration that lied to the FISA court. His administration that worked with the Hillary campaign on the phony dossier. And I can go on and on and on. And now it's Trump 
who might recognize the out, might not recognize the outcome of an election. Let me tell you, this election with all these states doing all these different things, it's going to be litigated for a week, maybe a month. That's what the Democrats set in place. So no matter what, these are the propagandists. Where are the Republicans? Democrat after Democrat after making these accusations. Where is McConnell? The guy can barely talk. Where's this guy Thune? Where are these people? They're nowhere. Go ahead. That he will. Uh, then we have to be prepared for what he is going to do in the immediate aftermath of such a loss and what he'll do for the time period between uh, the election and the inauguration of the next president. Uh, we have to be prepared for things that this nation has never faced um, this, before. This is unbelievable. This is sickening. It is unbelievable. All the violence is on the left. All the violence is among the Democrats. The President of the United States hasn't violated a single law. He has not abused his power. He has not abused the the uh, paramilitary forces that he oversees. Not once. And they make statements like this. The American people need to understand what's going on here. The Democrat Party does not believe in your safety or your security. The Democrat Party believes in its own power. Its own power. One other thing, but I want to mention China very quickly. St. Louis prosecutor ordered crime lab to reassemble Patricia McCloskey's gun. This is the couple, you well know, in St. Louis that had their weapons on their front lawn after a mob broke into a gated private community a street on which there's two houses, and threaten them and threaten to damage their house. It turns out that Mrs. McCloskey's gun was inoperable. It was made to be inoperable. So when she held it up, it couldn't do anything. So you know what the Soros-elected prosecutor did? She had the crime lab disassemble it, then reassemble it, and wrote that it was ready and capable of lethal use in the charging documents filed on Monday. So they took a pistol that was made inoperable, she had the crime lab make it operable, and then put it in the complaint. So this bastard should be disbarred. She'd be, she should be not just thrown out as the prosecutor, she should be disbarred as a lawyer. There should be complaints filed by the people and others in Missouri against this prosecutor, with the Missouri Supreme Court. And I'm not kidding. This is shocking. And meanwhile, people who want to defend themselves, president wants to protect a federal courthouse, he wants to protect young people and others in Chicago from massive slaughter, and it is he who says he wants to start a race war. And by the way, this idiot Joe Biden says the president's the first racist president ever. First of all, he's not racist. Secondly, I thought they'd been saying this about the founder, about Washington and Jefferson. I thought they were the racists. But not Biden, not his racist big mouth and his racist hearing, uh, history and his bigot, his bigoted comments and working with, with segregation. No, 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 forget about that. Biden's a good guy. He's a good guy. All right, I'm running out of time, so I need to shift abruptly.
Communist China. Communist China is a grave enemy of the United States. I told you months ago that right now we're, we're fighting two wars, one with the Democrat Party and its various surrogate organizations. Domestically, it's a fifth column. And then China. And China is turning into the Third Reich. Those pictures with those Uyghurs, the Muslims, are as sickening as sickening gets. Shave their heads, blindfold them, line them up, send them off in trains to a concentration camp where some are killed, some are tortured, they're all indoctrinated, where the women are raped, sterilized, forced abortions, where there's indoctrination taking place. I mean, this is as bad as over a million human beings. They're also making, in many cases, your Nike sneakers, LeBron. They shave their heads and they send that hair over here in the form of human wigs. What next? Lampshades? What next? And that bastard regime, the communists, they're going into churches and they're telling Christians, you want this church open? Or do you want us to bulldoze it? If you want it open, you replace statues and stained glass and pictures of Jesus with Chairman Xi. What do you think of that? So the President of the United States, through his Secretary of State, has ordered the Houston consulate of the genocidal communist Chinese regime to shut it. Why? Because it's a massive spy center. And the spying now has reached such a point where they're trying to steal all the work that's being done on a coronavirus vaccine. And so the President of the United States, unlike Biden, unlike Obama, unlike the rest, said that's enough. Close it down. We all know what's going on in Houston in that consulate. And it's a massive consulate. And so what did they catch them doing yesterday? Burning in dumpsters and burning in the courtyard. Enormous amounts of paper and documents. China says, well, we're going to, you know, there's going to be retribution. Ah, stick it, you jerk. Xi. China's building a relationship with Iran. That can't go wrong, can it? Abbas, the terrorist who leads the Palestinian Authority, has praised Xi. And Xi has praised him. And Xi has said, we're going to back the Palestinian Authority, you know, to the hilt. Xi has essentially taken over major ports in Africa. They give these these loans to these uh, African governments. They can't pay them because the interest rate is, uh, you know, it's mobster interest rate. And as collateral, they have ports and other things. And China's taking them. You talk about a racist regime, by the way. And Biden never talks about this. When's the last time... Biden talked about the Uyghurs. Never that I'm aware of. And where are all the Muslim countries? Why aren't they talking about the Uyghurs and trashing China? I don't hear that either. Where's the United Nations? Nowhere. Where's the group CARE and the other hardcore left-wing Democrat Muslim organizations in this country? Absolutely silent about what's going on in communist China.
But they have their man Biden. They have their man Bernie Sanders. The enemy's Trump, don't you know? Biden could never stand up to communist China. He can't even stand up to the to the paramilitary wing of his own party. He can't even stand up for the people in Chicago and Portland, in Seattle, Minneapolis, New York and Philadelphia and other cities that are under assault now each and every day and night. Can't stand up to the to the teachers union. So there can be opportunities and choices for education, quality education, substantive education for the kids in the inner cities. I'll be right back. It's open season on law enforcement, local, state, and federal. It's open season on Trump supporters. Now, this can't go on forever. I just don't see people tolerating this forever. Do you, Mr. Producer? I don't see people willingly accepting brutalization, threats to their lives and the lives of their friends and colleagues and family, threats to their homes and their businesses, threats to their communities. I don't see this going on forever. And so what the Democrat Party people like Eric Holder and Nancy Pelosi, and even Republicans like, who is that guy? Tom Wetzis, Ridge. What they don't understand is this. If the president isn't able to stop in and get this under control, then you're going to have vigilantism. You're going to have people protecting themselves. They have no choice. You can only push people so far, and at some point they're going to fight back. Right now, it's a one-sided battle. I'm not provoking this. I'm not encouraging this. I am just telling you. At some point, people are going to push back. This is a relatively small minority of relatively young people who are enormously violent and doing great damage to this society. And the Democrat Party's thrown in with them. The New York Times and the rest of the media have thrown in with them. They're organizing. They have paramilitary tactical techniques. People are not going to put up with this forever. They're just not going to do it. And so people should thank God that the President of the United States is trying to put down these riots and put down these these murders. Because let me ask you something. If he fails, and these local politicians succeed with the celebratory almost support with the media, the New York Times, the Democrats, you think people are going to put up with this? It's not going to happen. We're the people, our parents and grandparents, who landed on the beaches on D-Day, who landed on Okinawa and Guam, fought in Guadalcanal, the Battle of the Bulge, and I can go on and on and on. We're the same people. They better hope 
that law enforcement's able to put this down. They better hope that the President of the United States is able to put this down. Because I fear for the future. You can't keep calling people names, treating them as second-class citizens, bad-mouthing their race because they're white, white privilege, or breaking their backs to earn an income who don't feel privileged at all. They have to work for what they have. Keep threatening them. Keep threatening their liberties, threatening their rights, threatening their homes, threatening their families, prosecuting them when they try to defend themselves without even firing a shot. This isn't going to work. It's not going to continue. It's just not going to. At some point, if the president is unable to put this down, and the Marxist anarchist movement in the cities supported by the Democrat Party and the mayors and the media, then I think this thing's going to explode. I really do. I hope it doesn't. I pray to God it doesn't. But I'm very worried. Very You know, my friends, we live in trying times. Being conservative puts us under fire, but we're not alone. One group stands out and has for years, AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Members get money-saving benefits, cutting-edge news, and a great bi-monthly magazine filled with content and analysis not available anywhere else. AMAC has your back and mine because I've been a long-time member. AMAC gives you what mainstream media won't, the truth. And by the way, when you sign up, you'll get tremendous benefits and discounts, too. And they're a powerful voice for conservatives in Washington. You care about the future as much as anybody does. So join AMAC with the rest of us. Help them fight for individual liberty and freedom of religion, the right and keep and bear arms and free markets, and all the principles we believe in. Over 2 million constitutional conservatives, like you and me, have already joined AMAC. I encourage you to stand with us by becoming a member, too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Help preserve the America we love. Join AMAC. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. A-M-A-C dot U-S. You can't keep brutalizing people verbally and brutalizing people physically. You can't keep attempting to destroy their way of life, their freedom, and their security. At some point, if this isn't resolved, there's going to be pushback. And so what the president's trying to do is to prevent all this. But of course, he comes under attack by the Democrats, who apparently like all this. I want to salute all you heroes out there, law enforcement, the military, firefighters, and emergency personnel, and all of you wonderful patriots. See you tomorrow. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.